five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Diary of a Kidney Warrior celebrates Black History Month with a focus on the kidney health needs of the black community. Today, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now, there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from London, England, is BBC One Extra DJ, DJ Ace. DJ Ace joins me to share his kidney warrior story and the lessons he has learned along his kidney warrior journey. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. How are you doing today, DJ Ace? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I must admit, I'm nervous. This is my first ever celebrity interview, so I am really honoured to be able to interview you today. People throw that celebrity word around way too much. I do I do not consider myself a celebrity. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a voice that some people know, a small section of people out there know. But yeah, celebrity is, yeah, it's fine. I, I certainly don't live like a celebrity, so I'm, I don't know. I don't feel like a celebrity. But anyway, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you very much for having me. You're so welcome. And it really is an honour to have you here on the podcast. Before we begin, and there was just one thing, really important thing that I wanted to start with, and that is, I heard you say on your show that you love women from Birmingham. Yeah, I, do you know what? No, see, that's going to get me in trouble. But I, <laughs> it's not even just that I love women from Birmingham. I just really love the energy in Birmingham. And you know what's really interesting is when I was coming up, it was a place to be scared of for a little while. Like, yeah, yeah, don't go to Birmingham, it will pop off and that. But whenever I've been up there, I've, I've always had a good time. And I always say that I just really like the sense of community. I like to see black people together. Whereas in London, I might not have seen like my cousins and my aunts and uncles for like the last 18 months because we're all running around doing different things. You guys link up on a Sunday. You have dinner at Granny's. There's like good like home West Indian food shops. Like just, just, like, just seeing black people get along and be together. I just really like it. I really feel like a sense of home in Birmingham and I don't even understand it. I'm not even from there. So yeah, big up to Birmingham all the time. Yeah, Birmingham born and bred. So um, yeah. Oh, one, two, one. Oh, one, two, one, indeed. Yeah. So I'm really, yeah, really happy to hear that you love my hometown. I do. As you know, we're celebrating Black History Month and we're focusing on the kidney health needs of the Black community. And so today... I wanted to talk to you about your kidney warrior story. And so I wanted to kick off with my very first question. And that is, how did your kidney warrior journey begin? And how were you diagnosed? I think this is really good that we're doing this because I think a lot of black people don't realize that some of the like the illnesses that we have lead to us having these kidney journeys. So there's diabetes, there's rife in the black community and high blood pressure. And I I was diagnosed with diabetes at like 20 years old. It's in my family, mom, granddad, like there's loads of us. 
And I just dealt with diabetes from as a youngster, a youngster, 19, 20 years old, just carried on in life, took tablets, dealt, did whatever I needed to do. And then um, obviously once you have, when you have diabetes, you have regular checkups or whatnot. And it was never picked up that I was my renal, um, sorry, my renal um, disease was kicking in and my renal function was low. So that's what I was trying to get at. It never came up. And then one day I went to doctors just for a, a routine checkup and I had this really bad back pain. It was weird. Like I just had this mad, insane back pain. So much so that I couldn't leave the doctors when it was time to go. So I was like, let me just go to A&E and check out what this is. And I went in, I said like, is this my kidneys or something? Is it around here? And it actually wasn't my kidneys. I just had some mad like muscle pain, but they did do the blood test to check my renal function. And it was like, 17 percent it was insane it was mad low yeah and so at that point we instantly went into talking about knowing that it was going to get lower and lower and lower and at some point i was going to have to start dialysis and it was about getting my head around what that meant i had a the fistula operation and then just to get myself ready for it and then i think within about three months i was on dialysis and yeah that was the beginning of the journey so that was a real crash lander as we would say yeah in the, the renal community so that was quite a sudden diagnosis and a, a very sudden transition from getting your diagnosis to then going on to dialysis so just rewinding slightly so when you heard this news about your kidneys failing I mean what was going through your head at that time I don't know I think loads of different things I think you you hear about an organ failure and you just think it's an instant death sentence in it so yeah, you worry, you panic, like, okay, how can I fix this? You do all of the research in the world, kind of reverse it. What does dialysis mean? How is it going to impact on my life? Like, what kind of that? There's so many questions and so much, like, Google <laughs> is a good and a bad thing because you read horror stories, you read, like, you. I didn't necessarily have the community that I have today. And I've met loads of people, I met yourself, like, loads of different people that are going through this. Thing. I didn't necessarily have that. I didn't know where to go to. I didn't know about the issues with black. I didn't know about none of that stuff. So it was just like doing my own research at home. And as a like dumb black man, sometimes we do, you don't necessarily talk to your people around you about it. You don't talk to your friends or your family, just do your own internal research. You kind of internalize it yourself. And yeah, that was literally what was going from. Everything was going from my mind to answer your question. There wasn't one thing like, what does this mean? How am I going to fix this? And how am I going to live my life? like this and how long have I got left do you think what you think the worst to the best is it's uh quite scary so processing and coming to terms with all the emotions that you were going through at that time and then your kidney function then dropped to need dialysis so how was the process of going on to dialysis for you and what was life like on dialysis what is 2018 the year actually happened was probably one of the worst years for me so like it was like there was a change in my family situation I lost a really close friend like and during that time I was just kind of getting ready and it was the beginning of my dialysis treatment so I didn't even necessarily have time to work out what was going on as well as being an active DJ in the clubs and a radio presenter five days a week I was just carrying on trying to do everything at the same time so I didn't necessarily like have time to even work out what was going on. I just knew I had to be at the hospital three days a week for these hospital sessions. And then in the early days, it was a lot of needle poking and trying to find access. And it was, 
it was tiring and also just trying to work out your body getting adjusted to it as well so um for people that don't know about dialysis, they take a lot of fluid off you if you've had too much fluid and then they was trying to work out how much fluid to take off and your weight. It was a lot. It was a lot to deal with in those first few months, being I had so much other things going on at the same time and just trying to adjust to it and make it fit into what I do from day to day as well, which is also bad because I kind of needed to make my life fit into that, but I was trying to make that fit into my life, which it, it doesn't work. So yeah, at the beginning, I found it very, very tough and also, I think I was a bit naive to it as well, because I just I also just felt like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to do this for a few months. I'll get a transplant and I'll go about my merry way. I don't, won't even have to tell anybody about this. And only when I was starting to hear, okay, look, your weight's going to be a little bit longer and it's a three to six year wait for somebody of your age and your ethnicity. And yeah. And even then I was like, okay, three years, I could probably just like get on with it for three years. Don't have to tell anybody, let me just get on with it. And, and in my third year, I'm just going to get a transplant and I can go home. But then starting to like realize that that wasn't the case, it just got harder and harder and harder to do. And like, like I said, the, for me, the, the hardest thing was just like the change in lifestyle and being a creative and being like self-employed and like wanting to be able to do all of these different things. And you, I, and what I do, sometimes I've just got to get up and go or last minute you got to go here. Right? I wasn't able to do any of that stuff. There's a lot of late nights in what I do lot of ad hoc hours but i had to stick to knowing that monday wednesday and friday i need to block out them evenings because i gotta have these appointments so that was really difficult for me as well as having children who have uh theater plays and it's someone's birthday and i ain't had an opportunity to take them on holiday for like all of those things were like impacting on me but having to go dialysis it was a very it was quite difficult for me so what helped you through that period of time it's going to sound really weird, but just working. So like, if I'm totally honest, sometimes there were times when it was at my detriment, but like, just like being able to fill up the day and just constantly moving doesn't make you think about what you're going through. And even when you're sitting there in the chair and you're just trying to get on with different bits and pieces and trying to make them hours count every now and then you don't have anything and you're just there analyzing and it gets down. But I think the thing that helped me get through was just like, wanting to maintain the lifestyle I had before and there were times when it wasn't possible there were times when my body was like nah sit down I don't even like to tell the story but there was two occasions when after dialysis I went and did a DJ set and there was one time when an ambulance had to come it was like it was like that like I just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do like I just I wanted it to and that was a bad thing but it also kind of helped me get on, but I just probably didn't do it in the right way. And then also, because I wasn't very honest with everybody around me, I wouldn't even tell people about, if I was still on dialysis, I would have never told that story. I would like, but I've told my family that now and it's so upset that, that they never even knew. And like, but trying to stay busy helped me, like not, not feeling like a victim or not like feeling like this is something that's going to just ruin my career. My career's over and I'm not going to be able to do this. That Like just being able to keep moving helped me get through it even though it was difficult because it was difficult to keep moving because that is a hurdle and a barrier in itself like yeah so why did you find it so difficult to tell other people was that because you were trying to process it yourself or was it as a man you identify yeah. <laughs> man or just trying to get on with work like why did you find it so difficult i think there's a few reasons i think yeah ultimately like I think 
with men and it's a really bad thing you feel like i'm dealing with it i don't want to be anyone else's burden this is my situation to deal with i'm just going to get on with it take it on the chin i think also like it's something that i think as well might be in a few of us in in the community is like you feel like well i didn't look after myself i'm in this situation because i didn't look after myself early in life and i should have done this and i should have done that so it's why am i telling my family why they I don't want them to be upset. Like I've kind of put myself in this situation, which I think is quite twisted and bad actually. And then also like, yeah, I didn't want to be seen as a victim or somebody that can't do this or you can't be considered. I don't want promoters to stop calling me because our ACE is on dialysis or I don't want to be not considered for to fly out here because ACE is on that or miss opportunities because I'm seen as somebody that's going through this kidney condition. Cause I don't like to call it an illness, but yeah, all of those reasons, to be fair. I just wanted to just get through it with like with people having no knowledge. It didn't go that way. And I'm actually glad it didn't go that way. But if it originally was up to me, I would have just did my dialysis for two to three years, got a kidney, and no one would have been none the wiser. So what was it that then prompted you to start talking about having kidney disease? Someone snitched on me. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I don't know who snitched on me, but someone snitched on me. And I'm always going to shout these are like my second parents, like Bev and Orin from the ACLT. They came to see me at St. Helios Hospital while I was on dialysis. So I was in the chair and they've come in and I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm, I'm on a chair for the next <laughs> one and a half hours. And they just started just breaking down like what the issue was within our community in regards to organ donation and how bad it is. Like, Orin is sick at numbers in it. So he'll be like, look, the statistics say this, and this percentage of people, and this is how many people are waiting. And when you start hearing those numbers, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. And then it was like, okay, you guys are telling me this, but it was like, the reason we're telling you is because truth is like, you have a platform, like no matter how big or small it is, like people, you have a voice, like the community know who you are. And if you was to speak more about it, then maybe some stuff could happen. Maybe people would know more about the stuff that is going on or hear some of these numbers and be as alarmed as you. So yeah, like they sat there and spoke to me for like, it was, it was a little while, but I'll be honest, like it was probably one of the best conversations I had about what's going on. Cause like I said, I would have easily just tried to like fly under the radar and they just explained to me that me having this platform and being in this situation doesn't need to be seen as like something to be ashamed of or yeah, or a negative thing, like you can really turn this into a positive for yourself and other people going through what you're going through. And then also like just after them speaking to me and just, again, like you go into dialysis, you put headphones on, you open your laptop, you get on with things. You don't really necessarily look at what's going on. Yeah, you chat to the nurses here and there. You might have a nice rapport with them, but you don't really look at other patients. For me, I was just in tunnel vision. And then I just started to really look at what was going on. And I remember like one day just sitting in my dialysis chair and looking at that section, I was like, me and these three Asian people have been here for months, even years, a couple of years, just looking at each other. And like, there'll be white people that come behind us. They'll come in for three or four months and then they're gone. But we've been like, just steady looking at each other for time. I was like, yo, this is a problem. And so, yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to go public. Although, yes, like I've got a radio show. I'm, I'm quite introverted. I'm not really out there like that. So it was difficult for me and uh, the response was amazing and I'm happy that I did it and I hope to do more. Actually, I've got some things starting. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, before the end of the interview, but I'm definitely like 
my new thing is about campaigning to get organ donation in the black community. Just a conversation that needs to happen. It's not happening. And we're screaming about it. I'm not even talking about, yo, you have to do it. Like, let's talk about why you're not doing it. But yeah, there's conversations that really need to happen. Absolutely. And we definitely will talk about that in a bit. So you went on to have a transplant. So tell me, how did that come about? So after I went public, and what was interesting about me being going public was I didn't, although like I went public because I wanted a kidney, it wasn't like I was online saying, yo, please, I need a kidney. Send me a kidney. I just wanted to tell everyone what my situation was. And I guess it was like a call out to say, look, this is what I'm going on and going on. And if you know anybody that's down to donate a kidney or if you know anybody that's on the list. And then also more so about like just being on the register. That was more so my thing was about us talking about organ donation, not just living like deceased organ donation. Like we're not going to be here one day. Why are we holding on to body parts? Like that was more so my my thing but a lot of people reached out to me like via the dms like i'd really like to get tested for you and even then it was like a lot of people reaching out some people i knew some people i didn't know you can't as somebody that is appealing for a kidney be like onto people every day like yo have you done this or yo like i know you said you was gonna have you so i I was just like look these are the details you do whatever you want to do with them i wasn't chasing up people nothing and to be fair a lot of those people didn't really follow up and that's not that's it's a big decision i get it i think maybe one or two people got tested maybe one i don't know and then a few months in i just got this phone call from uh, my transplant nurse to say that yeah we found a match found a, a perfect match even and uh, yeah it was a very emotional morning extremely emotional morning so you got that call that a perfect match had been found so what happened next? It's just a crazy story. So I had asked who, I wanted to know who it was. And it was like, oh, we'll call them just to find out if it's fine for you to know who they are. So then I did find out who they were. And we actually had a mutual friend, which was interesting. So, oh. yeah, yeah. So um, this mutual friend, a very close friend, the, the friend that passed away actually in 2018, his wife is a mutual friend of my donor. And my donor had just, I think she had watched the video and had no idea, not my video, a video, a, a video about organ donation. And she didn't know that you could be a living organ donor. I think there was a little girl that had taken maybe someone from her family's kidney. She, had, she was like, I had no idea I could do that. I actually want to donate a kidney. So way before like, I even appealed to anybody, this was on her mind and she was willing to donate her kidney to somebody. And then this mutual friend was like, well, you know, Ace is looking for a kidney. And behind the scenes, she went and, like got tested for me and did everything. I didn't know what was going on at all. And yeah, and she was the perfect match. And even in in the set, the fact that she's a perfect match, obviously black people have to be same blood type and tissue type. And there would have still been a, a, um, a possibility that she wouldn't have been a match for me. But there's loads of different kind of ways that you can you put yourself in a kidney pool and donate to somebody else. And then that person can... Yeah, we were willing to do all of that, but her, she was a direct match. This is somebody I've never met before. We ain't got the same ethnicity related. She's a perfect match for me. But that could only be good. And yeah, and yeah, to this day, like one of my best friends, man. It's insane how life happens. So how was the actual operation and the recovery? So the operation. So yeah, well, we're coming up to a year, which is mad. So yeah, so firstly, it was that like COVID times. We had to isolate for four weeks before we could go in for 
for surgery. So I was in the house for four weeks, just preparing, getting the house ready and making sure that I knew what I was going to be watching on Netflix for the next, like, cause I had to isolate for four weeks prior, four weeks before, and then three months after. So wow. I had the operation in October. I wasn't able to leave the house until like January. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I was just getting prepared for that. And then even then again, like I'm, I'm a workaholic. I want to be out and I'm just preparing to be able to, to have to sit down for the next four months, but also excited about the fact that I was getting this second chance. So what was interesting is because Naomi lives in North London and I live in South London and where she went and got tested, different hospital to the one that was doing the surgery. We were in two separate hospitals. She was in North London to have her kidney taken out and I was in South London at St. George's and they were just keeping us posted as to what was going on. So they were like, yeah, she's just getting ready to go to surgery now. And okay, she's gone in, she's asleep. And they would let me know, like, okay, we've got the kidney, it's on its way down. And they pull it in an ambulance. They blue lit it all the way down to London. And then, yeah, I mean, I can't remember much about the surgery. Obviously I was asleep, but, <laughs> but it went well. And my recovery, like nothing, nothing bad happened. It was, uh, they told me it was a smooth surgery. My kidney's doing amazingly today i'm getting so much better it was like my creatine levels were quite high at the beginning but every day it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger now it's doing amazingly and they also say that's because i had a woman's kidney which is not used to getting rid of that much creatine and obviously i'm a bigger guy as well yeah so yeah it's just getting it's getting better and better from week to week she recovered well i think she was in hospital maybe like a day longer than me so i left on like okay. the sunday <laughs> i left on the sunday she left on a monday but she's doing well as well. We're like, we're both doing excellent. And yeah, this, the surgery, I can't, obviously can't remember it. I got a scar, but I'm good. It was good. It's fine. So what difference has receiving that kidney made to your life? Oh, well, dialysis sessions are gone. First, first of all, <laughs> um, I dropped a lot of weight, which is interesting. So I don't know if there was a lot of like water retention and like people see me now, like, oh my God, you like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not really in the gym like that. You know, obviously I watch what I eat. Well, I have dropped a lot of weight and yeah, just like being able to have my life back, man, and feel a lot better. Energy is a lot better as well. And just like being thankful for just having this opportunity again and just knowing now that I have a responsibility to do whatever I can, use my platform to make sure that it's not just me. Like it would be selfish if, okay, I've used my platform and my followers to get a kidney. And I'm like, All right, cool, peace, you lot. I'm going to go and make an R&B show. It does, that's not cool. <laughs> So like, so like, yeah, so I definitely know that I have a lot of work to do and a lot of kind of, of giving back. I mean, like, especially in regards to what Naomi did for me and what I think loads of other people can do for other people in our community. Paying it forward is something I feel really strongly about. And I know it's also something very close to your heart. You touched on it earlier, so let's talk about it now. So in terms of your work in terms of raising awareness within the black community, because in my experience, and I'm sure you've heard a lot yourself, there's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of misinformation when it comes to organ donation. I mean, even blood donation, I was speaking with somebody and I couldn't believe the things that she had heard. She said that she heard an advert on the radio saying that if black people donate blood, then it's not given to black people. And I was like, where on earth did you hear that? Like we had a whole conversation about that. So there is a, a lot of mistrust when it comes to the black community and organ donation, but at the same time, recognizing that historically 
there are reasons, valid reasons. 100%. Like, like some of the worst atrocities have been, yes. have been thought of. And even within the medical field, like we, no one is saying that that stuff has never happened. What we're saying is like today in 2022, when there's people to talk to and there's research and you go online and you can chat to people that have been through it and you can chat to black doctors, like there's no excuse to have ill-informed, to be uninformed. You know what I mean? There's no excuse to be listening to stuff, old wives tales from 60, 50, 60 years ago, or taking medical advice from a WhatsApp message or like, like, we're better than that. We know now there's more, like we can do information. We can find out there's ways of finding things out. Like we can't just be still stuck on the things that our parents told us or their parents told. Like today in 2022, there's people that still think that like have these archaic views of what's going on. And I get it. I get it because again, we have had some of the worst things happen to us, but now there's ways of like really talking to people and finding out like, you donate blood, they tell you exactly where your blood's going. And I feel like in a time now when we've got all this awareness about sickle cell, it's disgusting that a black person would not want to donate blood. Like, it's just insane to me. So I just think we need to do more talking, more educating ourselves, stop just listening to rumours or whispers on the streets and old school views as well. I love our parents and our aunts and uncles, but they're misinformed. They don't have the information that we had. They're still sending things around on WhatsApp groups that just, you know it's not like mom that's not that's not really real that means that do you know what i mean so yeah i just feel like today in the age we are today with all this technology around us all this information there should be no excuse to not educate yourself and really find out what's going on that's all i want to say so in terms of raising that awareness and yeah. encouraging people so speaking first to the black community mm-hmm. in terms of Encouraging people to donate, to come forward, because, you know, yourself, you received a kidney from a living donor and there is deceased donation as well. So people might have reservations about being a living donor, but if that isn't for them, do come forward to donate when you've passed. As you said, you you can't take those organs with you to the grave and, and have any use. You know, it could save countless lives. I think it's. 80 something, if I remember correctly, from previous podcasts, there's, you know, so many, the eyes, the heart, the, the lung, there's so many, so many things, so many things that can be donated and give somebody that quality of life. So yeah, I, I'm just inviting you now to give someone out there the encouragement, you know, speak to the black community and encourage to donate. Yeah. I think like the decision to be a living donor is, huge and not one for everybody i can totally get like i can understand not wanting to go through surgery i can understand feeling like oh well what if i've got a family member that needs it late i can understand all of those point of views i totally get but i struggle with understanding why you wouldn't want someone in your community or somebody that has had the same upbringing as you or the same like we are we like as a community i would never never understand why you wouldn't want to help somebody (laughs) that you could that looks like you when you're not here like you're not going to benefit from that i just don't i totally don't understand it i really find it difficult i know there's some religious reasons as well but i think the lack of trust issue is uh is really backwards and i'm sorry and i think very old school as well i think like 
And it, what's sad is people will only ever understand why this is so important when it happens to them yes. or when they have somebody in their family that needs an organ or, you know I mean? You're having to take your uncle to dialysis three times a week or your mum needs, or you've got a cousin that has got sickle cells. Like it's only when these things happen to you, do you understand how important it is? And you don't want that to happen. I think, I mean, I, 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 I struggle. I get, I get emotional talking about why people need to be on the organ donation. It's just, it's just, I think it's a no brainer. You're not here. You can't use those body parts, but there's somebody that can. Like, would you not want to help your brother or your sister? Or your aunt? Would you want, not want somebody to help you? It's just, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I've said all the words that everybody's ever said. I just want us to talk about it more, whereas I think like it's a, such a taboo subject in our community. And that's a lot of the reason why people don't, people think that they can just play blind to it. Let's address that taboo. Let's, mm. let's squash some of the myths and, and misinformation that is out there. So I think the first one is if that I can think of is quite often people say, if I'm on the organ donation list, they'll let me die. Yeah. To save someone else. Yeah. How? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I just don't get it. Like how, like, okay. So you've had an accident and this white person's had an accident and you just happen to have the same blood type and tissue type as this person. Oh, just amazingly this, person's got it's just like it's ridiculous i'm sorry and i'm not saying that these things haven't happened and we hear about crazy stories where kids are going missing across the world and i'm just telling you that that's not happening here it's not it's it's not it's not it's just really not and as a black person your organs are needed for other black people like they are so like why like why would you not want to do that sorry i just i don't get it that is not happening then you're not having a freak accident at the same time as Somebody as a white person's waiting in the bed and just like, come on, man. Like, let's just think about it. It's not like they're saying people, and these people are not saying, oh, well, they come and steal you in the middle of the night because they know our DNA and all this kind of stuff. They're talking about, oh, I had an accident and I'm on a bed and they're going to let me die for that. But that is just not going to happen. This is not, in my opinion. I think people don't realize that there's only a specific circumstance and situation where organs can be used. That's another thing. It's not, you know, your typical road traffic accident and things like that, where a body might be there for hours on end. And there's only a small percentage of organs that can actually be donated. And when you're not agreeing to donate your organs, that pool that's already so small becomes even tinier. Mm -hmm. And then as we know, when you're trying to find somebody who is a match, somebody from your ethnic background, is going to most likely be the best match. Yes, it is possible to receive, you know, as a black person, receive a donation from a white or Asian or whichever ethnic background the person's from, but you're going to have a much better chance of finding a match with somebody who's from the same ethnic background. When you're denying somebody that opportunity, and as you said, the impact of that means that black people on the waiting list way, way, way longer on average than their white counterparts too long way too long i've seen it firsthand like like i said we was literally just looking at each other like okay when's it our time but yeah no one gets to see that no one gets to see that because we're not talking anymore also the other thing i wanted to highlight is and you touched on it earlier when you said that as a man 
you know, not coming forward or speaking with people about what you were going through. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I wanted to ask you was if you could speak to the men, the man them, and encourage them to get themselves checked out. Because I think quite often people are sitting with symptoms and for whatever reason, they may be scared or, you know, in denial or whatever the reason why is that they don't come forward to get themselves checked out. Could you give the men out there some encouragement? Please, like, man, you know what it is as well, especially right now, like, we're needed, man. I feel like it's important that we are here. And when you're hearing about insane rates of men uh, developing prostate cancer and men, like, highest rates of suicide, it's it's important that we are here. And it's important that you get checked out. I think a lot of men are like, boy, man, I ain't even got time for that. I'm working and I ain't got time to go to doctors for every little thing, like, it's not that it's not even going to the doctors because your foot hurts or you're like it's literally just go and get you checked out every now and then is make sure that you're here for your family and the people that need you so that you're able to work so that you don't become a burden to them do you know what i mean like so you're not in a situation like this it's important like anything and it's not even if you feel great you know what i mean these are like silent killers i never knew i had low kidney function i didn't know it wasn't you said you didn't necessarily know you had low kid- kidney function this these are things like you can't necessarily see diabetes, all of these things. You need to just go and get checked out every now and then just for your own peace of mind and for your family's peace of mind as well. Another thing is you don't want your family to just, when bombs like this are dropped, it's not just on you. It's like your whole life changes. Once, like one minute you're doing a nine to five and then you got to work out how you're going to fit your dialysis session into that. And that affects how you pick up your kids or what happens in the morning. Like it, it affects everyone in your family. So you don't want to be that burden onto your family. Go get checked out just once every six months, even if you feel great. Really do. Go do that. It's important. What myths about kidney disease would you like to debunk? I didn't know any myths. <laughs> if I'm honest. I, I, like, I, never, like, I never knew. I didn't know anybody that. It's so mad. Like only when I went public, I don't know if the DJ want me to say, but there was a DJ I worked with early at One Extra when we launched in 2002. And he had a kidney transplant while doing the radio show. And he never told anybody. He called me when I went public. Wow. He was like, I can't believe that you went public. Like, I wanted to, but I wasn't, I didn't know. He was doing home dialysis. So he was setting himself up in the house. And no one would have known. He was on dialysis that whole time. So yeah, no one spoke about it. And then all of these people that I found out, Lonio, who's a, a DJ and an artist, he had a kidney transplant. And if you hear about Andy Cole, like all of these different, I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no, like, Again, it's something that's taboo. We don't necessarily talk about. So when you say, oh, what myths do you want to debunk? I genuinely didn't have any preconceived ideas of what kidney disease was. I didn't necessarily even know what my kidney did. Like people, we have organs in our body that we don't necessarily know what the function is. It's like, okay, that's a kidney. Like, I didn't know. I had no, no preconceived notions of what that meant. So now that you've been on this journey and for somebody who is early on in their journey, what information or advice would you like to share with them? Information or advice, I think like have a really good relationship with your specialist. Yeah, like like ask as many questions as possible. Early on, I didn't. I just listened to everything they said and just did it. And and I think even today, I'm still clueless. I'm still learning a lot of things about, sorry, about kidney disease and chronic kidney disease that I didn't necessarily know before. Because I just didn't ask questions. I was just like, they was like, oh, well, you got to do that? All right, cool. Oh, you want to do that? All right, cool. I, well, I, got, I, I wasn't even asking, well, what does that mean? How do, what, what do I need to do here? So yeah, 
it's important to have like those really important um, close relationships with your specialist, also the dietitian. Make sure that you're you're really like looking after what like your fluid intakes and what you're supposed to avoid in regards to foods and your potassium levels. Like your dietitian is very very important. Do that research yourself as well because. Yo, the NHS is stretched, then you might not necessarily hear from your dietitian for four months or so. You know what I mean? By that time, you could have been eating all the wrong things. But if you know that you need to, like your potassium's high, you shouldn't really be eating certain foods, or like overdoing it with the fluids as well. Like just, just having that relationship and asking questions is really important and doing your own little bits and pieces of research. And even if there's something online that you don't necessarily know, ask your nurses, especially while you're doing dialysis. One thing I always say about dialysis is try and plan your dialysis sessions. Like, I don't think it's healthy to just sit there and think about your situation. And I've done that a few times and you come out of it, like just feeling rubbish and it lasts until the next session. Like if you just sit there for four to four and a half, five hours thinking about what you're missing and what you're not able to go to and woe is me, it doesn't help. It makes, it makes it a lot, a lot worse and a lot harder to do. So those would be my dialysis, uh, suggestions what is a good way of dealing with it what is good to focus on during that time just be positive man i think i always like try to do a little bit of work or left stuff even stuff that i could do during the day i was like i'm just gonna leave that and wait for the dialysis i'll be honest netflix man i feel like i clocked netflix that was <laughs> one, of my, one, of, <laughs> that was one of my favorite things to do yeah it's kind of difficult to get any sleep while you're doing it but yeah, just try and just keep your mind occupied and off what you're, what is going on. That's the way that I got through it. There was other people that were like so happy, not happy to be there, but like they had really positive attitudes and they would talk to everybody. That wasn't me. I was, I just kind of just did my own thing. But yeah, I, I feel like sometimes the reality of the situation can depress you and can make you feel really bad. So yeah, it's just about knowing who you are and how you're going to do with it without necessarily thinking about it. Because I didn't want to sit there and just think about, oh my God, I'm in this hospital and start looking around at people and you're like, wow, am I that ill as well? And it's just, it's not great. Yeah. We've spoken about your transplant. So in terms of, you know, maintaining your transplant and keeping healthy, and I know you're coming up to your first kidneyversary at the yeah. end of October. So what advice would you give to fellow transplant recipients in terms of maintaining their transplant and keeping that positive focus i was gonna say all of the cliche things man <laughs> the doctors just told you to consistently drink water i need to get better with that but just loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of fluid all day water all day yeah i mean you'll find that your energy's up like i, I walk a lot more now than i did when i was on dialysis yeah i i think just you've been i've been given a a real precious thing and Last thing I would want to do is abuse it, not just for me, but for somebody that went through an operation and had surgery for me. So I don't want to deal with that guilt. She's done that for me and I'm supposed, I'm looking after it, but I'm not looking after it. That's, that's something I wouldn't want to deal with. So yeah, literally just again, listening to the experts, dietitian is, is a good, a good place to start. And obviously you have regular checkups just to make sure your kidney's going well. Just make sure you listen, ask questions. Can I do that? Can I drink alcohol? Can I loads of little diff- little bits and pieces? Like ask loads of questions for sure. So you were saying that you're looking to do more work in terms of kidney advocacy. So yeah. can you tell me about what you're planning to do? 
Yeah, this is so perfect. I want to put it there. Okay, I'm going to say this. On the, I believe, no, we're going to start on 10th of October is when we're going to launch. But uh, we are launching a social media platform called, not platform, a page called We For Us. It's we, the number four, Us UK. And We For Us is basically a platform for other people that are on dialysis or seeking kidneys or organ donations or people that want to get involved in organ donation just to see other people that are waiting. Because I, like I said, pre-me being a dialysis patient, I never even necessarily thought about kidney disease or thought about black people waiting in kidney in dialysis centers. I never really saw those people until it was me. And being on dialysis for three years, I literally saw loads of young black people, guys younger than me, black women younger than me, and obviously some are older generations as well. But I feel like we don't necessarily get to see those people because a lot of them like me had that attitude where it's like, look, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to get out of it. But the truth is that's not going to happen. It's going to take ages you to get a kidney and nobody even knows you're sitting here waiting. We're going to do a page where we get to, this is not like for dialysis patients to be on and be like, please send me a kidney. It's just for us to see the people that we are denying by not signing up to be deceased organ donors or, or not even talking about donation. Like your average people, like you might see somebody that reminds you of your brother or your best friend or, or your niece. These are just going to be people talking about to us about what they do every day what their favorite football team is, what song they're listening to. But these are all people that are having dialysis regularly that could use some help from us. So it's when it's we for us UK, and that will be the Instagram page. Nothing's up there yet. We're creating all the content at the moment. And I think we are going to launch on the 10th of October. And it's just a way for people to see us in them situations. So they know exactly who exactly it is that if you sign up to be an organ donor, this is the person that's going to get it or somebody like this is going to get it. So just, just to put a face behind those numbers, because we can throw numbers out all the time and say, Oh, one in 10 or one in three, but who is that one? And who is that three? Like, what do they look like? And when we see them and there are people that look like us, then maybe we'll be more like want to push more forward into doing a little bit more for them. So could you say that handle again, please? We, the number four, us UK. We for us UK. So yes, listeners, please, and viewers, because this is the first visual and audio podcast. So yes, I, I'm, so I, well, I would have dressed up and got a trim and stuff in my house and my house clothes, but it's fine. We're gonna, <laughs> this was important. So I, I, I'm happy to be here. And thank you so much for being here. So finally, well, I, I would normally ask what is your handle, but everyone knows your handle, but I'm going to say anyway, for anybody that wants to follow you on social media, what are your handles? So it's at DJ Ace on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, we for us, like, let's build up the page. Let's follow it. If there's anybody out there, any of the kidney warriors that want to get involved, if there's anybody that is uh, waiting for a kidney or you're on dialysis and you want to reach out, you want to send us a video, we're literally going to just have a script. We're going to get everybody to answer like a couple of questions. Just to, it's not about your situation. It's just more about people seeing you like, who are you like who is and how can you relate to the us how can we help us wonderful thank you so much finally i'd like to ask if you could give a final word of encouragement and advice for the listeners in regards to organ donation deceased or living it's imperative like 
like I didn't come up with we for us because it is literally only we that can help us. And again, we said it. Yes, you can get a, an organ from a white person, but why are we relying on that to help people in our family? That's twisted. Like, and let's be honest, those people haven't always helped us. So, like, if we we have a situation where we can help us, what are we waiting for? Like, that doesn't mean like you have to be a living donor. That just means like you need to talk about we need to talk about organ donation and maybe you need to talk about it with people in your family. Maybe it's not you. Maybe there's somebody in your family that you can really, you can appeal to. Maybe there's people that have just been, or haven't never necessarily even known that they could be a living donor. Naomi's fine. She's walking around now. We was out last weekend. We rave with her. She's got one kidney. I've got one kidney. It's like you can live fine and normal life with one kidney. So that is for the people that I have ever considered being a living donor. But for those people that are reluctant to be deceased donor, like really ask yourself why? Like, if you had a family member that needed a donor and neighbor touch wood dies, doesn't, well, dies, hopefully doesn't die. But if they die, you'd want that kidney or you'd want, like, that's going, that's just going to go in the ground. So let's, let's start thinking about why we're not getting on these lists and what it is, what is our big, like, why are we so against organ donation? Like, and do those reasons still exist today? Like, are those things still happening? Do you really have a good reason? to not want to sign up to be a deceased donor like what is the reason let's let's really talk about that thank you no problem thank you so much for joining and for sharing your kidney warrior story for sharing advice and encouragement for the watchers and the listeners thanks for having me it's been an absolute honor to have you thank you so much awesome thank you thank you for listening to diary of a kidney warrior podcast And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.